We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Mile High Insiders with Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Now, it's time to find out what's going on behind the walls of UC Health Training Center. Welcome in, everyone, to an installment of the Mile High Insiders. You probably are like, where's Luke? And where's Thomas? <laughs> well, we're filling in for them here tonight. Um, hopefully everyone had a great Wednesday. Um, I am the substitute co-host for tonight, Ron White. On that side of me is the senior draft analyst for MHH, Eric Trickle. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good. I'm excited. I mean, it's the first time that I get to jump on a show with you and... Uh... You know, talk Broncos football. I mean, obviously, we got to talk Broncos football when we're at the meet and greet, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit different, and a lot has definitely changed in the Broncoverse since October. Yes, we we are going to get to, um, of course, all the drama, all the speculations here, what may happen for next season, what those implications may bring. But first, let's welcome in a few folks from the chat. We got Dylan Von Arts, one of our MHH staffers. Thank you, Dylan, for coming in as always. He says, Sup, Broncos country. Make sure you hit that like button on the way in, share on all the platforms, and subscribe if you haven't already. Yes, guys, if you do not do anything else, make sure you do those three things. They help us um, right here at Broncos country. So thank you very much for that. And then we got David Duncan coming in here. Thank you, David. He says, Evening, Eric and Ron and Dylan and Scott. No disrespect to Stim, but he just isn't a starting quarterback. We have to draft a quarterback. But it will depend on who wins week 18. Yes. I'm going to go through. We're going to definitely get into um, the Peter King article that was released today in regards to Stidham being the starter for the Denver Broncos um, next year, You know, depending on what happens with Russ. But we want to get into a few more before we get into that. Then we got Dylan coming here as a placeholder. Yes. And then becoming in, he's a bridge gap QB. Yes, he is. Um, and then David, we got some good chats here, guys. 
David Young's coming in and says, all I'm saying is that the only ones that knows who will start is Sean himself. That is correct. That is correct. Um, so I guess, Eric, let, let's get into the, the, the Peter King article that was released. And just for everyone here, um, I'm going to get into a few quotes of kind of what Peter King was referring to. So per Peter King, unless Jared Stidham absolutely stinks it up in those last two weeks, so obviously last week and then this week's matchup with the Raiders, he believes that the Broncos will enter the um, 2024 season as him being the starting quarterback and then see what happens from there. They'll bring in someone else to pair with him. Now, again, that may not be too far-fetched. My, my thought here, Eric, is it really depends on what they do at quarterback, specifically in the draft. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see what happens in the draft. Now, currently, they do pick 14th. And, you know, if Sean Payton wants to get a Caleb Williams or get a Drake May or get a Jaden Daniels, he's going to have to move up. So. It depends on, you know, if that move happens, you know, which quarterback is picked. Um, but if they stay put or if they trade back and they grab a J.J. McCarthy or Uncle Penix Jr. or even a Bo Nix, then I think with those quarterbacks, you may have to have them sit for a while maybe behind Stidham. And obviously, we know it makes sense from a financial perspective as well if they were to have Stidham as the starter. Um, you know, Broncos will have to ride the Stidham if they don't get those top draft picks um, at quarterback, one of those prospects, um, as they navigate that ship on all the salary cap water and they have to eat that that $85 million in dead money from Russ, Russ' contract. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing is Jared Stidham for 2024, he's going to be have a $7 million cap number. And when you're going to be – because they're going to post June 1st cut Russell Wilson. They're not going to outright cut him and be taking on an additional $49.6 million. So they'll post June 1st cut designate him, which means they can cut him before June 1st, but they don't get the benefits of that until after June 1st. They'll still count 34.4 million, 34 .4, million against the cap this year, and the 49.6 goes down next year. Okay. So that $7 million, like that's a good boost for 2024 without having to go and spend on a free agent. Now free agent options i mean you have jamie's winston who probably is the one that you'd look at the most maybe even bringing teddy bridgewater back because of the familiarity they have with sean payton but the best way to circumvent the cap hit of the dead cap that you're going to be dealing with russell wilson is a rookie quarterback now as you said drake may and caleb williams for me those are the only two guys i can see being starters a rookie year outside of like emergency situations mm -hmm. so i don't think Jaden daniels I think that you'd still look at Jared Stidham starting for at least a few games, maybe half the season or so before turning it over. Michael Penix, all depends on the medicals. Maybe he comes in and earns it, but I think that ideally you're having him sit. Bo Nick, same thing. And J.J. McCarthy, he's a guy that you're probably going to want to sit for a year or two because the drop-back game just wasn't a large part of the offense at Michigan, and there are a lot of issues with his reads. So you want to buy him a little bit of time. So it makes sense that the Broncos can have this mindset of we're fine with Jarrett Stidham being our starter next year, but I don't think it's, I don't, I doubt it's set in stone. 
And as you said, it all depends on what they're going to do in the draft, I think, more so than free agency. Yeah, good point. Well, we got Kevin Gray coming in. Thank you, Kevin. Says, evening, Broncos country. Good evening to you as well. And Thomas Luke Scott, big mile high salute to Broncos country, Broncos for life, MHH for life. Thank you again, Kevin. And then going on to the quarterback conversation yet again, Mike Naylor comes in with a comment. Thank you, Mike, for your um, comment here. He says, I think we keep Stidham and draft Bo Nix at number 14. Nix checks all the boxes Peyton has, I think. What are your thoughts on Bo Nix, Eric Trickle? I know when we were at Peyton Greed, you, you did have a few reservations, but did, did that bowl game um, change your mind? Or <laughs> what, what do you think with this? So he has, I said this last night when I jumped on with Carl, on the mm-hmm. season, he has almost as many passing attempts, 10 plus yards down the field, as he does under 10 yards in just the middle of the field. It's like a difference of like about 20 20 less passes. He checks off a lot of the boxes Sean Payton has, but not all of them. And the biggest one is he lacks the consistency to push the ball. And the Oregon offense really covered that fact because of the playmakers that they had. It was a lot of screens. It was a lot of quick quick passes and, you know, scheming guys open. And Bo Nix was able to capitalize on that. And good for him. Like, it was a huge boost to his draft stock. He's a guy that might get drafted in the first round or second round at the very least, I think. Whereas when you go back and watch Auburn tape, where you saw him try to, where the offense was very different from what he was running at Oregon, putting more on the quarterback, the struggles were very clear. And he was a guy that nobody would touch, maybe as an undrafted free agent. So it's good to see it, and it's good to see how you can make them work. But when I watch Sean Payton in the Broncos offense this year, when I listen to what Sean Payton has said, I think that he really wants a quarterback that can be more consistent with pushing the ball and not having to play this short game so much. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, that's that's what I've noticed as well. I absolutely agree with you. It, it's a lot of that Oregon offense, a lot of horizontal throws. They're, they're not dropping back a lot. Bo Nix is definitely not dropping back a lot to push the ball down the field. Um, and I think they're gonna be there's gonna be times in Sean and Peyton's offense that that is that is expected. And again, not to say that that can't happen and Bo Nix can definitely develop, but from what I've seen so far, I don't think Bo Nix is, in my opinion, the the best option um, for Sean Payton. Now, looking at someone like Michael Penix, he's a very intriguing prospect. And, you know, I was a little bit, you know, hesitant um, before uh, that semifinal game against uh, Texas. Watching him you know, push that ball down the field with touch and just how he can maneuver in the pocket, I, I think, and go through his progressions. I think that type of quarterback is what Sean Payton is looking for, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, when I was watching the game, I tweeted out as like, it, it was a gif of, I want that. And now I said, is Sean Payton watching Michael Penix? <laughs> his ability to push the ball, he's got one of the best deep balls of quarterbacks in the last few years um it's so it's all consistently right in the bucket the big concern i had with him going in outside of medicals on the football field exclusively here was his ability to maneuver in the pocket and extend plays with his legs well we didn't really see him extend plays a whole lot we saw him maneuver the pocket and it was just so beautiful it wasn't like a lot of wasted movement it was bam step step set your base and throw. He was so quick to reset. And that's one of the great things that I saw from him that I wanted to see from him against Texas compared to what we saw for the rest of the season. Still have some concerns. There are still issues when he is, you know, throwing on the run and having to actually escape. Um, he's not, he's not going to be the best athlete. Um, he's not going to test out very well, but he's not a guy that can't use his legs to extend plays or pick up yards in the running game. It's just not going to be something he does a whole lot. Uh, so, so there's a lot to like with Penix, but the thing that I always talk about with it, that it always comes down to surgeries on both shoulders, both ACLs were torn. The medicals with him are so extensive that you have to do your, a, a lot of work in checking out that, making sure, which there's a whole reason why we have the medical aspect of the combine where they go over all the medicals and they even have team doctors come in and check them out. Like that's where you start to get those answers. And I'm sure right after that happens, we'll start to hear either teams aren't concerned about Michael Penix's injuries, in which case watch for him to be a top 20 pick, or they're going to be concerned about his injuries and he's going to fall. Good point. Good point. We have David McGillraff coming in with a $2 super chat. Thank you, my man. It's always good to have you in the chat. He says, hashtag 97. Probably nine, nine and eight. You mean here? But <laughs> point taken. Yeah. So again, with the matchup against the Raiders, it would be lovely to end that losing streak to the Raiders and getting their first win at Allegiant Stadium. Um, you know, I, I know this. You know, they are the playoff picture, obviously, but you know, it's a division opponent, and the Raiders are going to come ready as well because they're wanting to end the season on a strong note. So. I know Peyton mentioned that this game means a lot to him. Um, he definitely wants to win, and we'll see how the players respond and if they can get up for this game. Because 
they also need to have that same energy, right? Of you know, getting out there, executing, and stepping up to to get this victory. But yeah, hashtag nine at nine. Let let's see if we can end up the season out strong. Yeah, Papa Bear, thank you for the super chat. I hope you're feeling well. I saw the updates on Facebook of some issues. I hope everything's all good there. As for beating the Raiders, like, so I sat down, I went through all 496 outcomes for draft position for week 18 earlier this week. It's not excluding ties because ties are stupid. But of those, the range for the Broncos to pick is 11 to 16. If they lose to the Raiders, their most likely spot to pick is 12. If they win, their most likely spot is 15. So it came to, I wrote an article on this and it was asking is, is losing to the Raiders worth picking three spots higher than beating the Raiders? Most likely. To me, it's not. When I look at this draft class, there's eight elite prospects, I would say. And then the rest are so close together. If there was 12 elite prospects, then yeah, I would say it's not worth losing. It's not worth beating the Raiders to miss back three spots, bet on somebody falling. But with how tight everybody is there in that range, I don't want to lose the Raiders. I don't want to end a season on a losing note. Again, I don't, I just, I want to go out there, beat the Raiders, end this losing streak that the Broncos have against the Raiders, get the first win in their new stadium, all this. That to me is more important for the long term of this team than picking three spots higher than they likely will if they lose or win. Sorry. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. We got the Ronk coming in. Thank you, Michael, for coming in. Always appreciate you in the chat, my man. He says, Good evening, Ron and Eric on Mile High Insiders. Go Brickles. Good evening to you as well, Michael, and hope are doing well and having a great new year so far. Thank you for coming in. And then we got a string guy coming in here with a, the prospect question here for you, Eric. <laughs> Eric, do you know anything about John Paddock from Illinois, pocket guy with good arm strength? So never watched him. So my quick thoughts that I'll fire off are basically just looking at his stats. So, and so not at all a scouting report, just quick opinion on that. Um, yeah, he's probably a guy that you'll look at as a undrafted free agent camp body, maybe practice squad guy. If he does well enough, he has 27 touchdowns to 18 interceptions in his career. Um, eight, he was nine and nine touchdowns to three interceptions for Illinois this year, throwing for a little under 1300 yards. Um, he has a career completion percentage of 60.1, but that is carried by a six attempt game or season in 2018. The last two years, he's completed less than 60% of his passes. Uh, so just just a camp body. Um, that, that's all I see in him. When I get around to actually scouting him, maybe my thoughts will change. But from a quick scouting, uh, stat scouting report, training camp body. Cool. Good. Thank you for coming in with that prospect question, String Guy. Much appreciated. I want to go back up to a comment. Um, let me see if I can, I think it was from Mike Naylor. Let's see. Yes. Thank you, Mike, for coming in. Cause this is something I definitely wanted to call out. Um, the difference between Russ and Stidham, Russ can't see over the lineman in the pocket, missing wide open receivers in the middle. And you bring up a good point, Mike. And 
that that does definitely factor into, in my opinion, the reason Sean Payton made the change and was looking for that spark on offense against the Chargers. We see not only these two things from Rust, we see Russ running into sacks. We see Russ holding onto the ball way too long. There are things in Russ's game, you know, the deep ball is always going to be there, but they're the fundamentals, Eric. That they're seeing the seeing the field, going through the progressions. Um, and that that's missing. Now you did see how the offense moved a little better. It was a little bit more efficient with Stidham. Now again, Stidham isn't a world beater. Stidham isn't the guy that's going to, you know, don't expect four or five touchdowns, but, you know, at least he was able to kind of maneuver in the pocket, you know, quite well, you know, go through the progressions, the open man, um, you know, finding Judy and those other folks in space. So I think that's the difference. And that's why Sean Payton, in my opinion, obviously the financials play a part, but I think it was more, the performance related and those fundamentals that Russ just doesn't have that still has. And hopefully the next quarterback, you know, he'll get his guy and those, that guy will be able to kind of, you know, have what Sean Payton is looking for. Yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson throughout his whole career, the question, the concerns have always been how he doesn't attack the middle of the field. And that is a big part of what Sean Payton wants to do offensively. It's another way of helping keep the clock running without relying just on a heavy run game. And so that was definitely an issue um, with it. There was other performance issues. I've seen a lot of people screaming about the offensive line, but Russell Wilson has the most leads the NFL in pressures and sacks that are on the quarterback. I can't remember how many times this season I've watched him panic in a clean pocket and then run into a defender. And yeah. there was a sack in the um, against the Patriots, I think it was, mm-hmm. where Mike McGlinchey had his rep one, and Russell one. Wilson runs is five yards away and runs into his defender, right, right into him. Yeah, <laughs> and there were multiple instances of this. And while the offensive line, I wouldn't say is top ten, I would say they're twelve, thirteen at the very least. They're just outside the top ten this year. And so the issues with pass protection, a lot of that falls on Russell Wilson. Issues reading pre-snaps, um, blitzes. I mean, the Jets same, gave the same look three times and ended up with two sacks, and a, one of them was a strip sack. Like, those issues are all the performance-based. And then, yeah, the $37 million injury guarantee definitely played a part in it and was probably the factor of we're basically limited from the playoffs at this point. Well, now we're for sure going to bench you. but. The performance, yeah, you can't undersell how much the performance had to do with the benching of Russell Wilson. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, we got Phil McLaughlin coming in. Thank you, Phil. Always good to see you, my man. He says, good evening, Ron and Eric. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Hope your New Year is going well thus far. 
says, assuming we pick a somewhere else in the draft, are there also any O-line draft possibilities you like? Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MH8 for life. I'll turn this one over to you, Eric. Any any, any draft prospects uh, from the O-line perspective? Yes, I love this year's class on the <laughs> offensive line. Um, Nick and I in our group chat have been going back and forth about it. And I'm in the mindset, I don't care how much money they gave Mike McGlinchey. I would be fine drafting any of these tackles and letting him mm-hmm. compete for the starting right tackle job. Or left tackle, depending on what you do with Garrett Bowles. Mm-hmm. Um, man, J.C. Latham out, um, Latham out of Alabama is one. Joe Alt, although I think he'll be gone before the Broncos pick. Um, Olu Fashiano out of uh, Penn State. Like, Dude is just such a freak of nature. Um, there's a bunch of tackles that I think are going to be moved inside, which I'm fine with looking at that too because Ben Powers hasn't been great this year. hasn't been terrible either. But you could look at moving on from his contract after 2024. So that opens up the door for that. They're the Probably the best center declared out of Oregon. Um, you're probably going to be looking at center. I doubt they bring Lloyd Cushenberry back due to financial reasons with, you know, dealing with this dead cap of Russell Wilson. Um, Taylor Guyton out of Oklahoma. He's another tackle that I would like probably. And he's a guy that I think if Denver's picking 11 to 16, they could probably trade down to the late first or even early second and still have a chance at Guyton. Um, and I can't remember who it was. And I said this last night with Carl. It was 32 picks in the first round. Four, and I think it was Daniel Jeremiah. It might have been Dane Brugler. Um, Lancio and one of them, but they're saying of the 32 picks, four of them are going to be quarterbacks, and of the remaining 28, 20 of them would be offensive linemen and wide receivers because those two classes are ridiculously strong. A bit high of a hyperbole there, but this tackle, I mean, when I look at it, I could see around 10 offensive linemen going in the first round this year. It's just so ridiculously strong. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't really notice the offensive tackles until these, um, I was watching the, the semi semis for the uh, college playoffs. I know there's – well, I was watching the Mims, I think, out of Georgia um, during the bowl game. And then I think that one out of Washington, I think he can play guard the, as well. Troy. Yeah, he, I, can't, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's a guy that's probably going to be moving into, into guard. And there's a tackle out of Duke that will likely end up in at center in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good question there, Phil. Thank you for coming in. Then we got Daniels coming in. Thank you, Daniel. Says, good evening, Broncos country in MHH. What are your thoughts if the Broncos were able to draft a QB such as Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, or Michael Penix Jr. in the 2024 NFL draft and why? So I I guess, Daniel, I'm going to... I'm going to go with my preference and why. I, I think that's the good way to, to approach this. Um, I think, Eric, you, you know who my, my favorite is, but Caleb Williams is my favorite, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I've talked to Eric and Lynch at the meet and greet about Caleb Williams um, just because what he can do. You know, he, he can throw on the run. He can run it. He can push it down the field. He can escape just about anything. Um, now, of course, it. You know, obviously he wasn't winning a lot of games because, you know, the USC defense was terrible. Um, and I know the O-line wasn't the best either, but 
Um, so it was kind of, you know, the sum of all his parts aren't there for him, but just what he can do. Um, and you also need that quarterback in my mind to to go toe-to-toe with a Patrick Mahomes in the division. And the athleticism of a Caleb Williams can do that for you. Now, there are some things that have to be cleaned up with Caleb Williams. Of course, there's no perfect prospect. Um, I've seen a few bad decisions. Sometimes he doesn't get through the reads as he should. So so there, there are a few things that I think with the coaching of Peyton can help. But, you know, Caleb Williams, I think, would help to kind of, of course, with other pieces surrounded Caleb Williams to kind of help take this team to that next level. Now, again, that's just a wish list for me. <laughs> um, but I think as far as a perfect fit, and you don't have them listed here, Dan, but the perfect fit for Sean Payton's offense is Drake May. I think Drake is just, you know, what he can do maneuvering subtly out of the pocket and out of the pocket can go through his progressions and his reads, make some of the downfield throws as well. Um, now, under pressure is a different story. I've seen him a few times under pressure where he does get rattled and there's, you know, some errors in the decision-making. But, you know, it's just the fundamentals of of playing the position of football to what Sean Payton is in his scheme. I think that's a perfect marriage. What do you think? I'm I'm with you on everything you just said. I'm trying to find a tweet real quick since you brought up the Drake May pressure stuff. And it's a, it's a good point. I mean, that is one thing when I have watched him, the pressure and throwing on the move. Both of those have been hit or miss with him. Um, so it's something that uh, y- you want to see improved and grow. And uh, so here we go. So Drake May, when he's been moved off the spot, he's he's thrown 60 attempts, completing 28 for 460 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Not terrible until you look at, you know, McCarthy, Williams, and Knicks, who have, you know, Knicks and McCarthy have fewer yards, but they're at each, they're at nine touchdowns and two interceptions, seven touchdowns and one interception, and seven touchdowns and one interception. Um, Drake May, it fits what Sean Payton wants to do, but the pressure numbers are concerning. The style of offense that they play at North Carolina is very similar to what Sean Payton does and has done throughout his career. So it'd be a seamless transition, essentially. Verbiage obviously is different. There are there, uh, it's not a carbon copy of it. So there could be hiccups, but he makes the most sense from that point. And then Penix, same kind of issues moving off the spot, you know, dealing with pressure, problematic there. But Washington's offense has enough similarities that I think that he could transition easily into a Sean Payton offense. Not as many deep shots as they have at Washington, but still enough and a little bit more middle of the field than he's done at Washington as well. So that's where the differences there lie. Those would be the two guys that I think are the best fit. But if you can land Caleb Williams and figure out a way to make him work in the scheme or and adjust your scheme around him, like I would be, I would be ecstatic for that. Good, good that we're sharing a brain on that one. <laughs> Got David coming in, just, just alluding to what you were just saying, Eric, but I'll reiterate on regards to the Penix injuries. So I was thinking Penix, he has the injuries, uh, injuries prone, but he could rise um, 
for the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Chargers, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, David, it's again, I as I said earlier, I was hesitant and I still am because of the injuries, right? Because of the shoulders and those ACLs. It it does it does have cause for pause, but his stock has skyrocketed, you know, from that semifinal game. You know, you, you just saw you you saw a pro-ready quarterback. You know, again, there are a few things that he has to work on. Just how he can slide, you know, slide left and right and maneuver in the pocket. And again, the deep balls are with accuracy and touch. Um, going through the progressions and finding the man in the middle of the field, <laughs> which has been missing. So, you know, those qualities, those attributes alone, um, and what was displayed in the semifinal, I, I, I think, yeah, he can definitely move up, move up the charts. Um, and some of these quarterback needy teams, you know, we're talking about the Raiders, you know, so if, if the Broncos do have, depending on kind of where it falls, but if the Broncos fall, if the Broncos pick after the Raiders, they'll have to try to leapfrog them to get them. But yeah, I, I think Pinnock is definitely rising. Yeah. I mean, he's doing everything he can to help himself before the medical evaluations. And that's all he can do. Everything at this point is now is still a couple questions he can answer on the field, but there's no there's no questioning his football intelligence. That's been praised throughout, even before he was at Washington. His determination, his leadership, all the intangibles have been praised about. We're seeing the growth on the football field in certain areas, and there's still one game left where he can still show more growth in that department, but it all comes down to the medical checks at this point. Two ACLs, both shoulder surgeries. Like He's doing great for college, but he hasn't been hit a whole lot, um, mm-hmm. which is still a concern. And the medicals can check out, and that's still a concern once you get to the NFL. Can he continue? Can can his shoulders handle being hit? So it's injuries are such a injuries are such a trap. And I remember talking to this with a scout a couple years ago because two players could have the same injuries. One of them will have the long-term issues from it, re-injuring it, and the other one will be just fine. And you never know which player is going to be is going to be which. Um, and it's just one of the crappy things about injuries. A lot of guys get their careers ruined because of them, and you can never predict who. Yep, tis the truth. Tis the truth. All right, let's see. We got here. We got Monica coming in. Monica Raposo coming in. Thank you. She said she says it's Dulcich playing. I believe playing Sunday. I believe he's out. Yeah, today was the last day of the twenty-one day practice window, and they didn't activate him, so his season's done. He will stay on injured reserve. Right. And then David about, I guess, going through some injuries here. Is Sutton playing or is he still on the concussion protocol? I believe he was limited in practice. That's the last report I read. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm not sure yet if he's playing. We'll probably know more in the coming days unless something's come up while we were on. But Yeah, um, I'm double checking now. I believe he was limited today, which is a decent sign because when yeah. – for a concussion protocol, you typically want to at least be limited by Wednesday and full on Friday, at the very least. Um, so, yeah, he was limited. Marvin Mims was limited as well, although he's dealing with the hamstring. So, mm-hmm. positive signs, but no guarantee that either of them will be playing this weekend yet. Right. Yes. All right. And we got William Catalano coming in. 
Thank you, William, for coming in. Appreciate you, my man. He says, I'm disappointed in our wide receiver room besides Sutton and our tight end room. It's really bad. William, you it's it, it's it's not good. It's not ideal. Um, and we saw, you know, when Sutton left that game with a concussion, how really poor it is. Um, you know, we're Broncos are relying on Jerry Judy to take that next step, but that's that's not happening. You know, we see Jerry Judy out here still dropping passes. Um, and you know, the tight end, you know, <laughs> we were hoping for a great dulcage, you know, to come back and be a threat, but again, that that cupboard is bare as well. So I think that's also two other position groups where the Broncos really have to look at those in the draft. Um, now, I know quarterback is you know, a big need. Obviously, we'll probably pick in the first round, depending on what they do. You know, maybe they do something in free agency. But I'm really intrigued by, like, a Brock Bowers in this offense. Like, Brock Bowers is a – he's <laughs> – like, outside of Caleb Williams, I would say he's my second – favorite prospect overall um you know i've i'm a you know i watch a lot of georgia football everyone and you know just what he can do just how he can impact a game overall with the blocking you know how they bubble schemes them open um how we can get him down the field it's it's just an all-around tire so again we, we're not the Broncos may not pick bowers but kind of having that tight end that can be that good blocker and good pass catcher to pair with another receiver because I do think the Broncos need another receiver or two now I know they have folks um coming back from injury like I think Jalen Virgil and then we want to obviously see Brandon Johnson and then Mims develop with Sutton too um but you know having that dynamic tight end I, I think that's been missing a lot here yeah, I mean, we saw a little bit of the offense and how Greg Dulcich impacted it in the first game of the Raiders. The offense was working. And I do think that we would have gotten a completely different offense over a while, I mean, over the season, if we had Greg Dulcich consistently. Because they were so much was designed around him creating mismatches. So when he left that Raiders game, it was like all momentum on offense basically stopped. So tight end when, I mean, outside of wide receiver, offensive line and quarterback, Brock Bowers is my top option for the Broncos. I would love for him to be there uh, just because, well, he's not, he's not an outstanding blocker, but he's good enough. He's a guy that can come in. I mean, he's been good and been great, pretty good in college, but hitting the NFL level stronger, faster. I still think he can more than hold his own. And then he can be that mismatch guy that, Sean Payton loves to have from their tight from the tight end room adding to the wide receiver room that's going to happen I doubt and there's going to be some additions by subtraction I think that Jerry Judy's on his way out I think Tim Patrick well Tim Patrick definitely won't be back on his current contract he will cost 16 about 16 million dollars against the 2024 cap he won't be back on that maybe they cut him and bring him back on something else but you have Marvin Mims who was a pro bowler. He got, he got uh, announced that as one of the pro bowls return specialists. Um, so congrats to the rookie. Um, Jalen Virgil will be back. Brandon Johnson will be back. Uh, well, 
he is already back, but should have more time getting after uh, dealing with the injury he had. Cortland Sutton, I think, would be will still be around, and then adding somebody else to it uh, is a must. Um, and this is a great wide receiver class to do it. Um, it's deep, and there is such a wide variety of ta- of skill sets in this in this draft class. Yes, definitely. Thank you, William. We got RD coming in here. Thank you with the Canadian $5 Super Chat. He says, what position besides QB do you think we need most? People always say to seem to seem to say O-lineman, but I think our D-line and linebackers were the weakest groups this year. Yeah, Artie, this is a great question, and I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I think the the defensive line has just been has been not been good that much at all. I mean, we saw them just you know getting hammered at the point of attack. We didn't see a Zach Allen fighting Eric until kind of late in the season. So maybe having a few folks come in to work with Zach Allen kind of be opposite of him to. Hold up that point of attack, but I would definitely say the defensive line has been a weak link. DJ Jones has had his moments, but again, not not really showing up when needed. And then we need to look at edge. Like I know, again, this edge group isn't good. I, I think the sum of all their parts is good. You know, they're able to generate pressure, but they don't have that elite pass rusher, and that's also. Um, something that the Broncos need need to look at in the draft. But I would definitely say defensive line and and the linebacking core for sure, RD, have, have been a weakness this year. Defensive line, 100%. I mean, I was hound, pounding the table for them to go and add to the defensive line room besides Zach Allen all offseason long. Even though I was excited about Aoma Awazarike taking that step in this year two, and then he gets suspended for a year, and they still don't do anything. Jonathan Harris isn't good. Mike Purcell is definitely on the last legs of his career. Matt Henningsen didn't take a step forward. DJ Jones took a significant step back. He didn't start making plays until probably about five, six weeks ago. And even then, it's only been maybe two, three plays a game. He was so terrible to start the season. Zach Allen finally came around about week five, week six, and just has kept getting better. But it's been a one-man show from Zach Allen. you got to get somebody else there. I mean, it was it became a joke with Nick and I about how often Jonathan Harris or Mike Purcell found themselves on the ground, mm-hmm. like even by single blocks, which just you can't have. And then you have – that leads to these issues that they've had against the run. So you got to find somebody on the defensive line. And as for the edge room, said it but once, I'll say it again. They don't have a Batman. They don't have that top dog in the room. And they got to ha- they gotta find it. Baron Browning, he has way too many injury concerns for me at this point. He has struggled to stay on the field his whole career. I'm not comfortable with him being a Batman. He's a really good Robin. Nick Benito is a good pass rush specialist. Jonathan Cooper is a good, solid depth guy to have for all around but Benito and Cooper and Browning, all of them have struggled consistent with consistency with getting after the quarterback. You got to have that guy that you can sit there and bet on taking over games. You got to have that elite pass rusher. Yep. Yep. 100% agree. All right. Let's see. We got Phil coming in again. Thank you, Phil. 
says, was nice to see Spins, Mims, and Sertan Pro Bowl. Well, good. You guys think Sutton was left out due to missing games, or was he not worthy? I think Sutton was worthy of it. I, I think you know, he the some stats, probably the yards, although he did have the the the, the touchdowns, but I think maybe the yards and couple that with him missing um a few of these games may have been reason. But you know, Sutton has been has proved his worth for the Pro Bowl this year for sure. I mean, leading the team in touchdowns. Um, you know, it's it's not easy. So I would say that, you know, maybe they're looking at it from he may not even have the receiving yards plus the couple with missing some of the games is probably why he was lighted. Yeah, I think I think he was worthy to an extent, but it is a significant issue when you look at Pro Bowl voting. Stats matter. It's yeah. one of the reasons why I hate Pro Bowl voting. And Cortland Sutton sitting there with the 42nd most receiving yards in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, 740. Even though his touchdowns, he's tied for third, it still comes down to yards because ahead of him in touchdowns, you have Mike Evans and Tyreek Hill, both of whom are well over a thousand yards. Behind tied with him, you have CD Lamb over a thousand yards. Amon Ross St. Brown at nine over a thousand yards. Jordan Addison and tight end Sam Laporta, they're both approaching 900 yards then digs more metcalf all over a thousand yards like yards matter i think the missed games and i also think the fumbles hurt sutton oh, as yeah. well um but touchdowns he should have been in but it's more than just touchdowns unfortunately um and the inconsistencies of the broncos offense hurt sutton most definitely all right, let's see. RD coming in. I guess maybe about a reclamation project. Thank you, RD. He says I'd rather Justin Fields as a random reclamation project over Howell. So again, Eric, we discussed this as well. <laughs> and at the time, I floated the idea of possibly the Broncos should look into getting a Justin Fields. Um. And I'm 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 looking at more Chicago Bears tape, and I'm like, would this make the most sense for Broncos? You know, just because you know Justin Fields kind of taken off a bit, especially later on this year for sure. But he reminds you of a younger Russell Wilson. Now he's just a younger Russell Wilson, guys, and. <laughs> Again, I get it. The Chicago Bears team as a whole is not great. You know, we saw Fields running for his life. You know, they have okay receivers. The offensive line is just ugh, horrible, and then that defense bad. So, the team as a whole isn't great. Um, kind of have to do within the realm. But you know, again, looking at what not to say Justin Fields can't develop right under be a new new scenery, new staff, but I think from what Peyton wants to run and how Justin Fields plays the position of quarterback in football, I don't think it's a perfect marriage, even as a project. Yeah, I, I think you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Justin Fields is, with what he does on the field, he's a younger Russell Wilson. Doesn't attack the middle of the field. 
uses his legs to extend plays, will panic in the pocket and run into pressure. Um, just all these things that we've talked about Russell Wilson for years, even before he was with the, the Broncos, they're there with Justin Fields. I highly doubt that Sean Payton wants another type of that. So guys that don't attack the middle of the fields consistently can't work on timing and rhythm routes. They're guys that I'm not really considering for the Broncos. Sean Payton, I think he he wants to try to turn this team around. And in his mind to do that, he's got to have the quarterback to, that can run his offense fully. And that's not Justin Fields. And I don't think that's Sam Howell either. Um, Sam Howell, I mean, everybody looks at the numbers that he's put up and he had a pretty solid season there for the longest time, but there is a like 90% of his passes are outside the hash marks. He does not attack the middle of the field, despite having two, all three of his big receivers actually being good middle of the field receivers. It's just not something that he did a whole lot um, and wasn't consistent enough there for it. And I don't think that that's a perfect, a great marriage there either. Yeah. All righty. Let's see what other comments we have or questions. I'm going to grab David here. David Yonkin coming in again. Thank you, my man. He says, Ron and Eric, explain why VJ will get a second term when his defense is dominant one week and sleeping the next week. <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this is a very interesting interesting topic here david i'm gonna say one thing is going to save vance joseph's bacon and that's the fact that this team had that turnaround with all of those turnovers (laughs) i i I think that 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 was your was kind of his saving grace because you know, I don't have to repeat how the season started. You know, one and five, giving up 70 points to Miami. Um, and it it was a bad showing. But I think with that turnaround, that in-season turnaround, and, you know, kind of getting the team to somewhat believe on defense and be more aggressive may be the reason why he could possibly get a second chance. Um, but outside of that, David, it's the 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 talent on the defense leaves a lot to be desired as we just talked about the defensive line i mean that that needs to be addressed the, the linebacking group now we did see alex singleton and josie julie they have their moments um but there's still a lot of issues with stopping the run um even at corner outside of patrick sertan opposite of patrick sertan they they can use some more body, another body or two there. Although I love the emergence of Jaquan McMillan, but you know, I, I think another body or two at corner will help. So I, I'm going to say the the reason that he may have a certain term is just because of that end season turnaround with the turnover. But you know, it's that defense from a talent level definitely needs to be upgraded. Yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with you. The takeaway turn turnaround that they had, that's going to play a part in it because that's a big thing that Van Joseph defense have always done is they've always been one big on take, getting taking the ball away. I think that Sean Payton and Van Joseph both recognize how untalented this unit is. And I also think the other, the biggest thing 
is I think that Sean Payton recognizes the mistake of trying to force Vance Joseph to run, you know, the Vic Mangio, um, Edgero Evero hybrid defense that we saw last year. And that failed drastically. Vance Joseph had no clue what he was doing calling plays with that. And then he started to, you know, go more to what he has in his toolbox. And that's when we started to see the defense do a little bit better. Still inconsistent, but I think that there's some recognition that giving Vance Joseph the time to fully install his own scheme, going and getting better talent, especially on the defensive line, adding some competition at that second corner spot with Riley Moss. I think those are a few things that are in the cards, what they'll try to do this this year, and then see if this defense can't take a dramatic step forward. And I think that barring a big step forward like that, I don't think Vance Joseph will get to year three. Yes. Definitely. All right. Let's see who we have. Let's look at the chat here. Again, apologies, guys. Not, we, we have our producer in the background, so we're, we're going to be looking through a few years here. All right. Got Phil McLaughlin coming back in. Thank you, Phil. Says a couple questions. One, Eric, what is the breakdown on Titan Lincoln? Second, how much of a difference is there between Stidham and Nucci? And three, will Peyton look at Jameis Winston? Thanks, guys. I'll take three first, and I'll let you kind of look at the first two, Eric. I think Peyton will will take Jameis Winston, or take a look at him at least. You know, again, there's familiarity there, obviously, in, in New Orleans. Um, uh, Jameis Winston can definitely execute Peyton's offense well. Um, attacking the middle of the field, escaping the pressure, throwing the ball down the field. Um, you know, the intercepts to me are still a, a big concern. Um, but I, I think Peyton's able to kind of, you know, d- reduce, decrease at a minimum. But I think Jameis Winston, you know, if he's out there, what, you know, for free agency, I think that might be a possibility for Denver to kind of maybe beat that bridge now against still should not preclude them from drafting a quarterback. Um, but, you know, to kind of bridge the gap there, I think Jameis Winston is a guy that the Broncos may please take a look at. Um, I can't give you any thoughts on Lumpkin outside of Brock Bowers. I have done almost nothing on tight ends. Um, every year about this time, I always say I'm behind, and this year I'm well behind in the scouting process. How much of a difference is there between Stidham and Danucci? Um, not as big of one, in my opinion, as people think. And that's not because I think Danucci is better than he is. It's because I, I don't have a very high opinion of, of Jared Stidham. Um, and I do think, I'm, I agree with Ron, I do think that Peyton will look at Jamie Swinson and at least explore it, see if he can't convince Jamie Swinson to come join him in Denver on a cheaper contract than Winston might be able to get elsewhere. Yep. Yep. All right. All right, let me got Daniel coming back in. Thank you, Daniel. Says Ron and Eric, what do you think of a guy such as Tayson Hill? He knows Peyton's offense. I want nothing to do with Tayson Hill. <laughs> yeah, again, the familiarity is there. Um, we see Tayson Hill come in for a lot of those quarterback design run, a lot of those trick plays, but just as a pure quarterback, as a pocket passer, I there's really not much there for me. 
Now, and that's not to say that they won't look just because of that familiarity, but I think me personally, I don't think Hill is your guy to be that good bridge for the quarterback. I, I don't, again, I don't think that they should take a look at him, but they, they may explore the possibility. Yeah, he, he's he's not a quarterback. He's a gadget player that you can, you know, design some plays for as a quarterback, but you're going to have plays designed for him as a running back, as a fullback, as a tight end, as a wide receiver. He's a gadget player. Um, Sean Payton found a way to make him work with decent effectiveness, but he is not a guy you want playing quarterback full-time. All righty. Let's see here. Looking through the chat. Let's see here, guys. I'm not seeing. I think we can... Wrap it up for tonight, Eric. I do have one question for you, talking about the Pro Bowl selections. Um, Patrick Sertan, since we got the one about Cortland Sutton. Sertan, Simmons, Mm -hmm. and Mims, all elected as as starters and Pro Bowlers. Besides Sutton, is there anyone that you feel was a snub? I would say... I would say Jaquan McMillan, slightly. I I, I think... (laughs) Yeah, a, a little bit of a snub. There was a slight. I think Joquan McMillan. Now again, I know he kind of came in a little and blossomed a little late, but you know what he was doing was good. Um, and that he probably should at least be considered. Quinn Miners as well as another. Um, I see that in the chat. That's that's definitely a snub for sure. Um, Quinn Miners is is. So good, man. It's it's so good to just watch him on the offensive line. Um, just he's so aggressive. He's such a mauler. Um, he comes in just you know holding up his block. He's you know creating those lanes. He's he's just so fun to watch. So I would definitely say Quinn Miners is one. Um, that was a snub. Um, I I thought yeah I think some people are coming in here now as I mentioned Quinn Miners is saying that. <laughs> He was a lock and thought he was a snub because he had tremendous play on the offensive line this year. There's, I would say, Eric, on the offensive line. I mean, again, the weakest link on the offensive line for me this year was Mike McGlinchey. And so I would say, yeah, overall, the offensive line was was solid. Um, but if you had to pick one MVP on the offensive line for the NFL 2023 season for the Denver Broncos is Quinn Miner. I think that if you just look at the Broncos offense in general and had to pick one player as your offensive MVP, it's Quinn Miners. He's been he had a rough couple start couple games at the beginning of the season. He's been hit or miss the last couple weeks, but his body of work there in between, he was playing at an all pro level. He was one of the best right guards in the NFL. He's definitely a snub. He's a Pro Bowl alternate, at least. Um, though he should have been a starter. Michael Burton, the fullback, is the other is another Pro Bowl alternate. And uh I'll, I'll since you brought up Jaquan McMillan, I'll fire off a, a quick hot take here. And in, in my opinion, Jaquan McMillan was more deserving of a Pro Bowl than Patrick Sertan. Yeah, you took my words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's we're sharing a brain there. You know, I I think again, this was a bit of a down year for Sertan. You know, he didn't really. You know, I, you know, when I watched some of the games, you know, he was letting some of these receivers. You know, catch the ball and have the yards. I, I think I, I don't know what it is with Sertan. Hopefully, he, you know, if he 
stays on the Broncos roster. Hopefully, you know, I don't know how the trade thing is going to happen if if they do ship him off. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully next it's it's a better outing. But, yeah, I was a little disappointed on what I saw from Sertan this year. I don't know. Yeah, and, I mean, it's tough because Patrick Sertan, I still think he's one of the best corners in the NFL. For sure. And this year, I think with everything else, you know, the changing of the schemes, playing more zone than he's normally used to, which he struggles with a little bit. Um, th- those are those are a couple concerns, but when you look at the numbers of all the corners this year, he's not he's barely top 15 in any of them. Um, definitely a down year for him. And name recognition definitely played a part in getting his election. But that said, glad he's glad he got selected to the Pro Bowl. Hats off to him. It'll it's much better for him financially going forward because it changes the formula for his fifth year option as well. Sucks on the Broncos side because they now have to commit more money to him. But congrats to him. Congrats to uh, Justin Simmons. Congrats to Marvin Mims, Quinn Miners, and Michael Burton, all of them, for being named starters or alternates for the Pro Bowl. Um, I mean, when you look at it, there's, what, about 70 players who get elected to the Pro Bowl out of, what, 2000-ish? Like, mm-hmm. So had tips for them to be one of the select few that gets selected to the Pro Bowl. Yes. Yes. Alrighty, guys. Well, and we are near the end of the show. We're just going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you guys for joining us on this Wednesday. Hopefully, again, no, we're not the Luke or Thomas, but hopefully we were able to, you know, address any questions you had, talk about the Broncos, um, and talk about what the outlook is for the Broncos. Again. Make sure if you don't do anything else, you like, subscribe, and share. It will help us very much. Any parting words, Eric, for the MHA family? No, I hope you guys all have a oh, – I'm about to say weekend, but it's Wednesday. Thrown off there for a <laughs> yeah. second. You said it being Friday night. Um, I believe Chad and Zach will be on tomorrow. Make sure you guys tune in for them for their Thursday show. Uh, go Broncos and can't wait to see where we pick 11 to 16. That's the Broncos range. Can't pick higher. Can't pick lower. And as the senior draft analyst, it'll be nice to have a confirmed number so I can really start narrowing things down, even though there's not that big of a difference between them. Hope everybody has a great week and I will be back Friday. And I believe you'll be on Saturday night again, Ron. Yep. Yep. So have a great evening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.